one that we can run to. Hallelujah. A shelter, our friend. Jesus says, come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come to the well that never runs dry. Hallelujah.
and we thank him for his love this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You gave us Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that we can bring everything to these altars this morning with confidence, knowing that you are here and ready to intervene in all and any situation.
before that, we want to give one announcement. Our young adult class, whether it's uh, overseen by, by the biologists, by angels, we've got biologists, we've guys, amen. Amen. They're going to do an outreach for the sick and the They're going to express the love of the Lord for the sick and the by doing something that's called angels. Not that angel, but angels too. And um, it, it's where it's where they collect the equipment. And give it to children and parents and families and help the way they work.
Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Amen. Yeah. And we'll all be able to take part in that, so pay attention in the bulletin. More information will be given, and the biases can answer other questions, but we all get behind that and do something, and that's good. It's good to get beyond ourselves. Amen. That's for Jesus. Get beyond ourselves. Praise the Lord. All right, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, and the Lord, good to us. God's been good to me. Where would we be without the grace of God? Amen. Where would we be without others? So again, good morning. Let's not forget next week, Bishop Jones and Sister Jones from Chicago will be with us. And this morning is just, just he popped in on us, brother and sister, Dr. Samuel are with us. So we're blessed. Amen. And um, again, like I said in the beginning, when I get done preaching, doctor is going to help me with the praying. So if you have a need today, I believe this is orchestrated of the Lord and he's here to help us minister at the altar. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, let's go to John three, John three. As we said, we are doing a little four part sermon series on four characteristics of God. And last week we looked at the power of God. And this week we want to look at the love of God. The love of God. The God who loves us. Amen. The God who loves us. So John's gospel, chapter number three. Let's begin reading at verse 14. These are the words of Jesus. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness... So the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes... In him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. We're going to talk this morning about the God who loves us. The God who loves us. Again, you know, the subject of the love of God is impossible to cover in in one moment, in one sermon. We'll just do our best with the time we have and we'll believe God to move in our lives. But first of all, I want you to notice the background of our text. Again, these are the words of Jesus. And this is John 3. Most of us are familiar with this chapter where Nicodemus comes to talk to Jesus and they have a conversation. Nicodemus comes at night to talk to Jesus. Nicodemus was a religious leader, a religious scholar. He he was part of the ruling council of the Jews. And in the course of their conversation about spiritual things, Jesus begins to talk to Nicodemus about his need of a new birth. We're familiar with that. Jesus said, Nicodemus, unless you be born again, you'll never see or enter the kingdom of God. In fact, Jesus goes on a little later and says, don't be surprised when I tell you, you, you must be born again. He's saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, your wonderful heritage isn't enough to get you into heaven. Your exalted status and position among the people, that's not enough. In fact, Nicodemus, your advanced education, your moral merit, your good works, your religious deeds, all your religious achievements, they are not enough to get your sins forgiven and to get your name written in the Lamb's book of life. 
And Jesus says to Nicodemus, like he says to you and I this morning, you must be born again. If you want to know that heaven is your home, you cannot do it through your works. You cannot do it through your human effort. You need a new heart. You need a new start. You need a new beginning. You need a new life to enter into heaven. And that only comes from God. And it comes through God's only begotten Son. So here in verse 14, Jesus, well, he uses an illustration to get his point across to Nicodemus. And he reaches back into that Old Testament, into the book of Numbers, chapter 21. And he uses an illustration of how a person can be born again. And he begins to speak about the snake being lifted up so men can look at it. And it's a story. It's a story of number one of sin that Jesus is talking about. Because if you know the story, the nation had rebelled. They had complained about how God was leading them and how God was feeding them and how God was lording over them. And God judges them by allowing snakes to come in and to bite them. And these snakes are coming. They're biting the people. Many are dying of it. It's a story that Jesus, he says, listen, just like the snake was lifted up in the wilderness. Back in that day when the people rebelled, God sent snakes as a sign of his displeasure. It was a story of sin, but thank God it was also a story of grace. But if you know what happened, Moses went and interceded for the people. And God provided a remedy. Somebody listen. God has provided a remedy for your sin and your situation. And whatever's been keeping you awake at night, I tell you by the word of the Lord, God has already provided. The answer's already in the works. And God is going to come through like you never dreamed He could come through. Oh, yes. They had messed up. They had rebelled against God. But God's servant interceded for them. And God provided a remedy. I am so glad that God provides a remedy. There's a remedy for your sin. There's a remedy for your sickness. There's a remedy for that bondage that tries to oppress you and keep you down. His name is Jesus and nothing is too hard for Him. Story of grace. As Moses cried out to God on behalf of the people, God told Moses to make a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole that all the people could see it. And any bitten, stricken person who looked, who looked, who obeyed the word that God gave Moses, who believed the promise that God gave Moses, that any bitten person that looked at the serpent would be immediately healed. It's a story of sin, a story of grace, and thank God, it's a story of faith. Because we know that many, many people looked by faith, and those that did were healed. They were healed. And you and I understand this morning, that know the Lord, that for forgiveness of sins, to have peace with God, to have salvation in heaven, we have to say, Jesus, I'm looking to you. Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you and you alone. I'm putting my faith in what you did on Calvary's cross, not in me and not in something I can earn, but I look to you and put my trust in you that that, that, that the sin that is bitten and contaminated my life will be destroyed and I can be forgiven and made whole. Now looking again at verse 14, notice how Jesus uses the word lifted up. Let me just draw your attention there to um, the verb lifted up. It has a dual meaning. On one hand, it means to be crucified. On the other hand, it means to be glorified. Jesus said in verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake, lifted up, 
Jesus used it a couple times in John, speaking about when I'm lifted up on the cross. When I'm lifted up on Calvary's cross. But it's also used, not just crucified, but glorified. When he's exalted to the right hand of the Father. When he's elevated and raised from the dead. You see, in the gospel, John points out to us that our Lord's crucifixion was actually the means of his glorification. That's how he moved into the fullness of his glorification. That the cross was not the end of his glory. The cross was the means of his glory. We know that evil men lied and evil men arrested him and they mocked him and they beat him and they murdered the prince of life. But the Bible says that God raised him from the dead and exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. So that thing, the cross that looked so ugly, that was so evil, it did not diminish his glory. It elevated and brought his glory to the furtherance and to the fullness The cross was not a tragedy. The cross was a victory. The cross was not a defeat. The cross was a triumph. And like the serpent was lifted up on a pole, so the Son of God would be lifted up and hung on a cross to save you and to save me from sin and from death. The whole world has been bitten by the bite of sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. You don't even God know the Bible to know we've all sinned. Can you say amen to that? The whole world has been bitten, but God sent His Son. Sent Him to die. Not just for Israel, but for the whole world. How is a person to be born from above? How is a person to be saved from their sins and the judgment to come simply by believing in Jesus Christ? By looking to Him by faith. And receiving what he did on Calvary. The difference between perishing and living. The difference between condemnation and salvation is faith in Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus could have come and he could have came into this world and just judged the world. He could have came into this world and just brought forth the judgment of God and destroyed every rebellious sinner. But no, in love, he came to the world as our Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. It was God's great love that motivated the salvation plan. It was God's great love that fueled the plan of salvation that you and I rejoice in this morning. Jesus became that uplifted serpent that all of us bitten by sin's curse, we can look to him. And put our faith in Him. And put our faith and our lives in His life. And be spiritually healed, forgiven, transformed forever. You know, the the Bible has a lot to say about the love of God, doesn't it? In fact, the Bible says God is love. God is love. I mean, you know, the Bible says that God loved us in spite of our sins. Romans 5 and 8 says when we were still sinners... God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While I was still rebelling, when I was still sinning, when I was still doing my own thing, right there and then God loved me. Right there and then God still had compassion on me. He wasn't waiting for me to be a good boy, because I wouldn't have been a good boy. He loved me when I wasn't worthy of that love. You know, he loves us before we ever loved him. In fact, First John says, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. If he didn't first love me, I could never have loved him. I would have stayed dead and I would have stayed blind to it all. You know, his love is an everlasting love. It's an never ending love. To the prophet Jeremiah, Jesus said, the father said, Jeremiah, I have loved this people with an everlasting love. 
Aren't you glad that His love isn't here today and gone tomorrow? Aren't you glad it's an enduring love? And that even when I fall short, God's love is still strong. And even when sometimes I might miss the mark and might not live up to the standard I should, even then God's love doesn't get weaker. God's love remains the same. It's an enduring love and an everlasting love. And do you know His love right now? If you're a believer... Do you know His love right now has been shed abroad in our hearts? Romans 5 and 5. That God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. That's what motivates these great ministries. That's what motivates our missionaries. That's what motivates people to go to the other ends of the earth to share the gospel to those that don't even want to hear it in a lot of ways. It's the love of God. It didn't stay there. It got filled. It fills our hearts. It moves our hearts. And oh, hallelujah. And now, not only can we love God, we can love one another. We can pray for one another. We can serve one another. We can sacrifice for one another. We can even suffer at times for one another. And not just the family, even those that don't know Him and don't love Him. We can love God. We can love the brethren. And we can love the lost. And we can even love our enemies. Why? Because that great love that brought Jesus to the cross now dwells in the heart of them that love Him. By the Spirit of God. And God sets the example of how to love by loving us. In spite of our condition, of our rebellion, of where we were and what we had done. He loved us personally and individually. He didn't just love a crowd, He loved you personally. He loved you individually. He didn't just love generically. He loves personally and privately. Oh, hallelujah. He loves us pers- individually. He loves sincerely, selflessly, sacrificially. He didn't just love with words. He loved by going to a cross, taking our shame and our punishment. It was a costly love. It was a great love. This morning, let's look at that most famous of verses. John 3.16. Let's just break it down. And may the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts. Number one, let's notice the surpassing quality of God's love. For God so loved, so loved the world. The quality of God's love is revealed in that little word, so. God loved the world so much, so much. His love was not passionless. His love was not emotionless. He loved so much. The Roman world was unfamiliar with love that was so deep and so sacrificial that an innocent person would step forward and die for a guilty. But God, who is perfect, loved perfectly. And to the ultimate degree, God so loved. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 verse 4, But because of His great love, God who is rich in mercy. The context was you and I before we got saved. How we were dead in sin. And we were rebelling against God. and We were set apart from God. An attitude that we didn't want God. But God, great love, whose rich mercy stretched out and made a way for us. You know, Dr. David Jeremiah writes in one of his books about a time he visited 
St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And he said, I saw a life-size statue of Jesus, but at first look, he said, it took me back. It wasn't the normal image of a sedate Jesus hanging on a cross. It wasn't a statue of a loving Jesus surrounded by little children. He said, actually, it was a rather ugly appearing statue. It's a statue of Christ writhing in anguish, in pain on the cross. And underneath were these words, this is how God loved the world. And Dr. Jeremiah writes, as unpleasant as it is to see, it's an accurate representation of just how costly our salvation was and how selfless God's love was towards us. Number one, the quality of God's love. God so loved. God greatly loved. God richly loved you and loved me. Then number two, notice the surprising object of God's love. The world was the object of God's love. God so loved, now not just the Jewish people, not just good religious people, but God so loved the world, the lost world, the violent world, the rebellious world. You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he had to remind the religious crowd that the doctor came for the sick, not the healthy. Did he not? Sometimes we forget that, don't we? But Jesus had to remind them, the doctor comes for the sick, not the healthy. And we see the object of God's love here. He didn't just come for religious people. He didn't just come for morally trying people. He came for people full of vice and violence. Oh my goodness. Because of God's sovereign and uninfluenced love, He chose to love us. Oh, what a thought. Knowing all about us, He chose to love us. He chose to set his affection upon us and then pay the highest of prices to express that love and to reach out with that love. It's the words of Andre Crouch's song that always bless us. He looked beyond our faults and he saw our needs and he saw our needs. Oh man. You know the Bible teaches us that God loves the world. That God desires all men to be saved. That he's not willing that any should perish. But he wants all to come. He wants you to come. He wants you to come. Someone says, I'm too bad. You can't be too bad. He wants you to come. Someone says, I've messed up too many times. You can't mess up too many times. The blood of Jesus is able. The love of God is greater. He wants you to come. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to know life eternal and abundant. He wants you to know forgiveness. He wants to free you from all condemnation. He wants to blot out all accusation. Jesus loves you and he wants you. No sin is too great. No transgression is so terrible. There is no act so repulsive that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse and the love of God will not forgive. There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. That's why we're bold when we preach. That's why we're bold when we witness. There's a power in this great love. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save whosoever will. He'll save you. He'll save you. He'll heal you. He'll change you. God loves the world. Every individual. Every nation. Every nationality. There's room at the cross for you. 
You know, St. Augustine wrote these words. He loved each one of us as if we were the only one to love. You know, the Bible says so much, gives us so many examples about the love of God, does it not? We're studying Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man, a morally good man, a man in good standing in his community, but he needed his sins forgiven, and the love of God reached out and was there for him. You know, Paul was a religious man, but he was a violent man. He persecuted the church. He applauded the the murder of the saints. He certainly needed his sins forgiven. But the love of God was there reaching out to him, stopped him on that Damascus road and turned his life around. Oh, the love of God. The love of God will go places we don't want to go. The love of God will go places we should not go. Oh, the great love of God. We think of Zacchaeus. He wasn't religious at all. He's just materialistic. Money was his God. Remember him? He was the businessman. He, 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 he was a tax collector. He had cheated people out of their money. But, but obviously he was all this money, but inside he was empty. All these things that people think are so great, but in his heart he was searching and he was needing. He was empty, but God's love found him. You remember the story? The love of God called him. Zacchaeus, he was a little guy. Let's not make, let's not make fun of little guys. He was a little guy and he heard Jesus was coming. He says, I want to get a look at this blind man healer. I want to get a look at the one that walks on the water. I want to see up and close to one that speaks and demons come out. He climbed up in a tree. No one could see him, but he was looking and the parade came by. And as soon as Jesus got to where was, he stopped. Looked right up and called him by name. Listen, he knows where you are. He knows what your name is. He knows what your need is. Somebody say amen. He said, Nicodemus, come down. I'm going to your house today. The love of God stopped where you and I wouldn't stop. The love of God went to a home. You and I might not go to that home. Oh, how great is the love of God. The thief on the cross. Guilty. Condemned. Rightly so. Lost but loved. Lost but loved. Guilty but loved. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh hallelujah. And he cried out, Jesus, remember me. It's not too late to call on the Lord. It's not too late to call on Jesus. His love will be there. His mercy will be there. Oh, friend, just in time he called. Don't let it run too late. Call on him and let the love of God meet you right where you are. Altar call hanging on a cross. Oh my, the love of God goes everywhere. The love of God will respond to any sincere and desperate cry. Might be lying on your deathbed. The love of God will come and transform your life and lift you up. But you got to call. you got to cry. You've got to reach out. How about the demoniac of the Gadarenes? Remember him? Sin and Satan had cost this man everything. Cost him his family. Cost him his dignity, his sanity. Sin will do that. 
Sin will make a fool out of you. There's a high cost for low living. You know the story. He was so bound by demons that society couldn't handle him. They had to push him out, chained and bound, and throw him out into the cemetery. But oh, the love of God goes places we don't want to go. The love of God reaches places that we cannot reach. You know, the Bible says Jesus went through a storm just to get to one poor, pathetic, bound by sin and Satan man. Because the love of God loves you no matter what condition you're in or no matter what you've done. And the love of God, through the power of the Holy Ghost, is able to break every chain that tries to enslave your life and torment your life. Oh, Jesus went. And that man, when he got done meeting the one that is love incarnate, he was dressed and in his right mind free. Oh, yeah. The love of God came to him and Jesus delivered him from hell's torment and hell's hole. Oh, the mighty power of God's love. This power. Oh, let me move on. Let me move on. I like Oroshaka, Mondo Roshike. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How do you like that? Woo. Don't Jed clamp it there. Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh. Hallelujah. Woo. John 3 and 16. The quality of God's love. The object of God's love. Number three, the price of God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The highest price of God's love is only begotten son. How did Peter say it? Not with silver and gold have we been redeemed from that empty way of life, but through the precious blood of Jesus. God didn't buy us. God didn't purchase us with silver or gold. But he sent his only son to sacrifice and die and shed his blood for you and for me. The highest price. God gave his son to the world and he gave his son to die for the world. Think about it. Think about it. Wouldn't it have been marvelous and moving enough if he just sent his son to reveal himself to the world? If he just sent his son to maybe teach and give revelation to the world of the truths that we're, we are blind to. If he just sent his son to bring healing and miracles and demonstrations of power. But no, no, no more than that. He sent his son to die. For the world. Because of what the world had done. The idea of sacrifice. And a great cost cannot be missed in this thought. Sinless yet Jesus became a sin offering. The object of God's righteous justice and judgment. Taking our place in our punishment. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. 1 John 4. If you're not familiar, little John. Amen. 1 John. 1 John. Go to Revelation. Take a left. If you're not familiar. All right. If you're new and you don't know the Bible that well, go to Revelation. Take a left. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Look at this. In, in this, the love of God was manifest towards us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world. That we might live through Him. And this is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. As an atoning sacrifice, Jesus took upon Himself the punishment we deserved, while at the same time satisfying the righteous judgment that God had against sin. See, God's holiness demanded that sin be punished. Therefore, God's love sent His Son to pay that price that His holiness demanded. See, Calvary was um, initiated by God. Remember, Jesus said, no one takes my life from me, I give my life. There, there are no Roman soldier that could take his life. There's no Jew dead or alive that could take his life. Jesus came and willingly gave his life. Oh yeah, Calvary was initiated by God, expressing his love towards us in the greatest possible way. How do Romans 8 and 32, he who did not spare his own son, he didn't even spare his son. He spared no cost. He loved us so much to redeem us and bring us back to himself. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, for us all. Oh my. If you want to get to the depth of what it means to love and to be loved, go back to Calvary and look at the death of Christ on that cross. The cross of Christ is the ultimate definition of God's love. Costly, sincere, sacrificial, visibly expressed. And the cross shows us God's love. It also shows how God wants you and I to love one another. 1 John 3 and 16. 1 John 3 and 16. This is an interesting little verse. 1 John 3 and 16. By this we know love. that he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Wow. The cross was not only expressing God's love to us, it was giving us an example of how we ought to love one another. And that sacrificial, sincere, if need be, even suffering in a way. Church, may we never cease to be moved, amazed, compelled by the great love of God demonstrated on Calvary. It was for me. Somebody say me. It was for me that Jesus suffered and bled and died. Friend, nobody has ever loved you like Jesus. No one has ever loved. Stick with Jesus. Stick with Jesus. Somebody stick with Jesus. Others might leave you. Stick with Jesus. Others might give you a hard time. Stick with Jesus. Others might disappoint you. Stick with Jesus. No one ever loved you like the Lord. You know, back in the days when there was Christian bookstores, I don't see them around so much anymore, but back when they had Christian bookstores, in one of them there was a poster and a picture of Jesus with his arms spread wide as he hung on the cross. It has this question and an answer written on it. I asked Jesus how much he loved me, and he said, this much. And he stretched out his hands, and he died. That's the love of God. The most costly demonstration of pure, selfless love the world has ever seen. John 3.16, the quality of that love. The object of that love. The great sacrificial price of that love. How about the serious offer of that love? Mm. 
The offer of God's love was made to whoever, not just Jew, not just Gentile, not, not, not just the religious, not just the rich or the poor, but whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever. Aren't you glad it's whosoever? The white man, the black man, whosoever. The rich, the poor, whosoever, male or female, whosoever. This means you. 1 John 2 and 2, 1 John 2 and 2. This sacrifice was meant so the whole world could come to God if they want to. That the whole world could hear the good news of the gospel and come to God. And he, him, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not just ours, but also for the whole world. And that's why we have to tell them the good news. How can they believe if they don't hear? That's why we support missions and we do evangelism. How else will they know? This is for the world. This is not just for the church. This is for whosoever. And if you're breathing, you're a whosoever. Whosoever. It's offered to all. But this love is received by only those that believe. But the next point is the choice of God's love. You gotta believe. Gotta believe. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes. That whosoever believes. Not whosoever can come, but only whosoever believes, receives. You gotta believe. They gotta hear if they're gonna believe. Amen? So we gotta preach it, and we gotta declare it. Amen? We gotta demonstrate it. But they gotta believe it if they're gonna receive it. Believes. The words that follow whoever doesn't limit to whom the love of God is offered, but it defines who receives and enjoys the love of God. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him. That received, you gotta receive him. Have you received him? It's not enough just coming to church. It's not enough just saying, I won't give you a hard time if you go, honey. You gotta receive Jesus personally. You gotta come to Christ personally and give your life to him. He's the only way. But thank God right now that way is open. Whosoever will come, but you gotta come. You gotta come. You gotta receive it. You gotta receive it. You gotta receive it. It's, it's said like this. The, the love and grace of God is sufficient to all, but it's efficient, effective, only for those that believe it. The offers to all. The blessings to only those that will receive it. A free gift, but it's only good that respond and take it. Whoever includes the whole world. But whoever believes excludes those who won't believe. you got to believe. Sufficient to save anyone that comes, but efficient, effective to only those who do come. you got to come. you got to receive. Don't put it off. you got to say yes to Christ. Once and for all, you got to give your life to Christ. The special promise. Number six, the special promise. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, whoever believed in him should not perish. There's that problem, you don't got to perish. You don't got to die in your sins. You don't know what I did, doesn't matter what you did. He'll forgive it if you'll come to him. He'll cleanse you if you'll believe in him. Oh, you don't have to perish. You don't have to stand before a holy God and give an account. You can put your faith in Christ and let it be paid for on the cross. Oh my God, my God, my God. Should not perish. But if you'll believe it, if you'll believe it, you can receive eternal life. Abundant life. 
eternal, not, not, just, not just forever, but the quality of that life that begins right now as you're born again and you become a new creature. Oh, glory to God. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. It's time to pray. How many of you know God loves you? I want to help someone to believe for their, for their, for their touch from God. Romans 8 and 32. Can you throw that up there if you can find it? Romans 8 and 32. Talking about the love of God. And I just want, I believe faith has to have a common sense approach to it. Amen? God, God knows enough to keep it simple. It's not complicated. I want you to, simple faith. I got simple faith. Simple faith, you move mountains. Simple faith. Amen? I'm real simple with this. I, I'm simple. Amen? If God loved me that much when I was an old sinner, rebellious, doing my own thing, how much more? Now that I'm a son loving him and serving him. It says here, he who did not spare his own son. God didn't spare anything in loving you and in trying to rescue and reach you. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. All of us, everyone. You can get in on this. Now think about it. If we were sinners and Jesus paid that terrible price, taking my punishment. Amen. Now that I'm a son, think about it, think about it. How shall he not with Jesus also freely give us all things? How about he give you that healing? He give you that miracle? He give you that better job? He give you that breakthrough? He give you that deliverance? Somebody say amen to that. Oh, he's a great God. Let's believe, let's believe, let's expect and let's believe that his love is going to touch us, his power is going to work in us. Hallelujah. We're going to close and we're going to pray. And like I said, we're so blessed to have a doctor and Sister Samuel with us. And he's going to be praying at the altar. So I would take that as a special emphasis. If he needed a touch from God. To believe God was orchestrating this moment. If you're here today and you've been running from the love of God, you've been, you've been poo-pooing the love of God, you've been rejecting the love of God, I urge you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, receive His love. Give your life to Jesus. Stop fighting with God. Stop dodging God. Give Him your life. Surrender your life. Just get once and for all, just give your life to Christ and, and put your faith in Him. Receive the love of God. And if you're here today and you're a believer, number one, May God's love move you in such a way that you'll walk in this freedom. You'll walk in the joy. You will walk in the contentment and confidence and know that you are a child of God. Condemnation is gone. Accusation is gone. Your past is gone. You are cleansed. You are free. You are made brand new because of the love of God demonstrated on Calvary's cross. And as we meditate on that cross, may it move our hearts to love that way. May it move our hearts to give our lives to love this world like He did. And if you're here today and you need a touch from God, if He loved you so much when you were a sinner, how much more now that you're a son? And let's believe God if you have a need. It could be physical, it could be emotional, whatever your need is. When I get done praying the prayer, come on down and line up and we'll pray, believe God to touch you the power of God to minister to you. Let's believe God for some wonderful, wonderful things this morning. Can you say amen? Stand with me, please. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you get a word or something, just yell at me, okay? Amen.
Let's pray this prayer. And then we're going to worship. And as we worship the Lord and just thank him for his love. You say, I'm doing good. I don't need prayer. Well, can you just give God another two minutes? Is God worth another two minutes? Of just expressing thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank, where would we be without the mercy and grace of God? Bow your hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for all that you've done for us through Jesus Christ. Father, help us never to forget all that you've done. And instead, help us to be vessels that your love can flow through to others. Now, Father, receive our praise as we honor and thank you for the great love you expressed on Calvary, for the great salvation you purchased us through your blood. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus, draw anyone that's resisting, anyone. Melt anything that's hindering. Hearts from receiving and embracing you with all their might. And now, Father, may your spirit flow powerfully. As we come to this altar, let gifts of healings flow. Let your miracle working power flow. Let the demonstration of your love and power flow. As we look to you in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Let's worship the Lord if you need prayer. Let's come.